Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Well, welcome back, listener. I am here today with Matt Rudnitsky, who helps entrepreneurs write unputdownable books that leave legacies, make an impact, and get you noticed. Now, I'm really looking forward to picking Matt's brains today because I love this topic, the topic of books and how they can and should fit into a business. But before we welcome Matt and get into that, if you're listening to this show, chances are good you have professional expertise that you want to monetize. And if you're ready to stop doing okay, if you want to take it up a gear, if you're ready to turn your visibility into a real business that actually works for you and your clients and gives you hope for the future, then I'd like to invite you along to a free web class that I have. And this free web class is going to explain why the Ascension model or value ladder that you've probably heard about is just a disaster waiting to happen for most people in your position. And it's also going to explain exactly what you should do right now instead if you want to generate some real cash flow quickly and finally get on the right track with monetizing your expertise. So that is free. And all you need to do is pop along to robtyson.net forward slash class for all the details. So that is robtyson.net forward slash class. I will see you there. So with that said, Matt Rudnitsky, welcome. Good to see you. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So tell us a bit about your story. How did you get into helping entrepreneurs create books in the first place? Sure. Um, So my writing life started in college when I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, as most people do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was a huge sports fan, so I knew I wanted to do something with sports. I figured, you know, maybe I want to be like a sports agent or something like that. One of those like sexy careers. Um, What's that film? Jerry Maguire, right? Exactly. I basically thought I wanted to be Jerry (laughs) Maguire. You nailed it. Yeah. but somehow I stumbled into going to the school newspaper. Um, I think I had like a friend of a friend doing it. They're like, check it out. Like, I don't know. I'm not really a writer. I don't love writing. Whatever. I'll try it. Um, and basically that turned into me writing for the school paper for four years. Um, fell in love with writing. Fell in love with sports writing. Became a sports writer after college or university for you Brits listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That went well for about two years, but I was living with my parents in the suburbs of New York City. Um, and as everyone knows, New York City is extremely expensive and they were paying me 20,000 US dollars per year. So yeah. <laughs> clearly had to live at home, uh, basically asked them for a raise. Um, They're like, sure, we can give you a raise to $28,000, which is nowhere near enough to live in New York City. Um, so I quit, uh, had a great experience. Uh, moved to Prague to teach English, uh, just kind of while I figured my life out. But I'd always written a lot about sports gambling, which is, it's kind of like a taboo topic in in the States since it's technically illegal. Now it's sort of becoming illegal. Um, So I kind of had this niche and this small little audience around it and just had this idea like, hey, why don't I self-publish a book? I'm not expecting to get rich off of this. It's just like, I have something to say. There are people that want to hear it. Um, Just kind of figure out how to do it as I go. I had never self-published a book before. Took me a couple months, uh, launched it expecting crickets. And in the first month I made a little over $1,100, which kind of blew my mind at the time. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Which, cause I didn't really, I had an email list of like 46 people. I think it was, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I had like 
800 followers on Twitter, no Facebook, Instagram, none of that stuff. Um, and I was just like completely shocked. And from that point, I just got obsessed with self-publishing, independent publishing, writing books, um, you know, how you can build a business off of that. Uh, wound up working for this company. It was called Book in a Box. Now it's called Scribe, um, where they focus mainly on entrepreneurs. Um, started working with people on my own, started coaching some people, working on an online course, and just kind of stumbled from that first self-published book, which just shocked me how successful it was yeah yeah right and it's often said everyone's got a book in them I mean do you agree with that should everyone write a book um and if not who who shouldn't I think everyone does have a book in them that doesn't mean that everyone should just because it's such a time commitment unless you're gonna hire someone it's not necessarily worth it for people I think everyone if they're self-aware enough if they get enough um, either self-aware enough to do it themselves or can get market feedback to point them in the right direction can write a good book. Um, but it just comes down to like, what's your business? How does this fit into your business or life? You know, is it worth you spending six months or a year writing it? It may not be. Everyone can, not necessarily everyone should. And how should it fit into the business? I think in a perfect world, every entrepreneur would have a book as kind of the entryway to their funnel, just because it's such a good way of getting your story, your ideas, your philosophy in front of strangers and getting them to trust you without giving them a sales pitch. That said, again, it's a big time or financial investment. So it just really, it could be later in the process for some people. I personally started like my business with a book because that's my thing and I had time for it and I was able to share the process as I went and kind of recruit people as I go. So it wasn't just, you know, putting my head down for a year without actually recruiting people. Um, yeah, but, but I think it just comes down to, to priorities. Like, are you, if you can turn your book into a blog as you go, right, it's, it's kind of like this double building two assets at once. So I think everyone can do it. Um, and yeah, you just have to, to prioritize essentially. So you say, um, kind of doing it, doing it alongside the blog or as part of the blog. So I'm guessing what you have in mind there is perhaps you, you create the, the plan for the book and then you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to knock this out as a bunch of blog posts. I'm going to maybe going to do that once a day. And, and then at the end of 30 days or whatever, I've got, I've basically got the content for the book. Is that, is that the kind of approach you yeah, could I was, take possibly? I was being a bit uh, long winded there, but the, so the, the like strategy I, I teach, it's called permission publishing and, and people might recognize that as like a, a riff on Seth Godin's permission marketing. And the whole idea is like, you only want to sell someone something once they've enrolled in the idea and like giving you permission to pursue it. So most people go about writing a book like, basically putting their head down for three months, six months, a year, two years, five years, right? Uh, and the main difference in the way I advocate people do it is come up with, say, two or three I small ideas you want to test and test them in either a blog post article format or even smaller than that, like even a Facebook post, an email, an Instagram post, LinkedIn, whatever like you prefer. Test those ideas really, really, really small. Um, see which one hits, like which one people like the most, and then just kind of slowly evolve that into a book. So you can, again, just continue writing emails, posts, LinkedIn, 
um, as you go. So it's building a blog, building an asset while you're also building the book. I like it. So, so what are you saying then? So like with that kind of, you know, let's say you're going to post something on Facebook and, and follow this approach that you just mentioned. So what are you saying? Is, is it like, Oh, you know, Hey guys, I'm thinking of writing a book on X. Was that interesting to you? Or, or are you kind of coming up with some longer form content and kind of seeing what gets the likes and shares? Just talk to us about that a bit. What's uh, give us a bit more, um, a bit more detail, what that looks like. So the, the way I did it the first time, and this is when I was, I guess, like 22 or something. So I was, I was pretty clueless. Um, so I did it the first way you were saying, which is basically just, would you be interested in a book? If so, email me. Um, cause I had like a small audience from the blog I was working for. I actually don't even know if I was allowed to do this, but I just kind of did because no one told me I couldn't, mm-hmm. um, basically said, email me if you're interested. And those like 46 people did. However, I don't think that's the best way of doing it unless you already have a really big audience and people like already know what you're about. Um, I think the best way of doing it is more what you said that that second idea, which is telling either telling a really interesting story or a, you know, interesting idea and putting that in a more long form thing. But when I say long form, I mean, it could be, you know, 500 words, 750 words, just like more of an article format to give people mm-hmm. an idea of what, you know, uh, a sample small chapter of the book would look like. Okay. And, and so coming back to something you mentioned earlier, you know, about the funnel. So, you know, where does the book fit into the funnel? I, like, I know you said, well, it's the, it's the first step, but then what does the rest of the funnel look like? I mean, we, you know, um, are you doing kind of calls to action within the book or are you, are you making the book available on your own website? So then when people opt in for it or buy it, they, you kind of make them an offer on another page or how do you, how do you approach all that? How do you look at that? What what do you think is the best, um, the best kind of approach for us? I think the best way to do it is the best way I've seen. uh, There's a lot of ways you can do it, but I think the best way is the like free plus shipping offer. If you're running ads, um, Mm -hmm. So basically, if you do a free plus shipping offer, someone sees your ad, clicks it, sort of sees what your book's about, um, can get a copy for free and enter their email address. So you're getting their email address as a lead. You can have some sort of follow-up sequence for that. Ideally, they're reading the book. I mean, the truth is, you know, probably less than 50% of people are actually going to read it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then for those people that read it, yes, some sort of call to action within the book. Uh, most people do some sort of bonus page, just something that doesn't naturally fit in the book um, that complements it. That's like the next natural step. So, you know, say you're like one of the books I worked on was a uh, stock trader, right? He's like a stock trading expert. So he kind of has this whole story and a strategy in the book, but there's no room for like formulas, templates, like things like that. So that's the perfect thing to include on like a bonus page right? Like, Mm -hmm. did you enjoy the strategies in the book? Get your free, you know, stock tracking template or whatever. Um, which is actually what I did with my book on sports betting. I found a bet tracking template and I had a whole chapter on like how important it is to track your bets. And I just said, you know, if this interests you, uh, click here or go to this website, get your free template, which funny enough, again, I didn't really know this at the time, but not only did I get a ton of emails, but I responded to all those emails asking people for a review so sending them the template thanking them and asking them for a review and that's how i got 
don't know, probably 70 reviews or so, um, just manually like strangers emailing me. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about this. And so, and so it sounds though, as though in your world, um, maybe, maybe I haven't got this right. And I'd, I'd love to hear about that, but you know, you're not thinking in terms of, um, the main benefit of, of your book being from book revenue from book sales directly or people finding it on Amazon, that stuff is kind of irrelevant. Is that fair or is, or is it a bit more nuanced than that? Um, it's close to irrelevant. I don't want to say irrelevant uh-huh. because there are people who can make good money on book, but it's just like, even if you, even if you're one of the, I would say less than 1% of people who makes good money directly on your book, you could still make 10 times that on some sort of upsell, whether that's a course consulting, um, product, it, it doesn't matter. Like the, just the way the numbers work, there's so much more money and value you can provide outside of the book. Um, that I think the best way to use a book is just to, you know, at, at the beginning of your funnel, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and how about Amazon? I mean, do you even care about that from the point of view of discovery? I mean, are you, cause you can kind of do things like Amazon SEO, right? I mean, do you, do you go in for that or do you, you just think it's the light's not worth the candle? How, how do you look at that? I think, I think Amazon's super important. I just wouldn't look at it um, to make money directly just as another lead source, right? So you've got your, your ads can be one lead source. Amazon SEO can be a lead source um, and also just organic Amazon in general. Cause I believe Amazon, at least last time I checked was the number one search engine for like product searches. Mm-hmm. So especially if someone is, you know, let's use the stock trading example, like some professional wants stock trading advice, like sure, they may look for articles on Google, but they also may go to Amazon and just search like stock trading advice. Um, and I use a program, it's called Publisher Rocket, um, which is basically just an SEO uh, tool for Amazon. But I think actually the bigger, like always check the SEO for your book, but the bigger potential lies in if your book is getting traction, Amazon will promote it for you. Um, it'll be in like the, the also bought section. So, you know, say you bought some other finance book and if your stock trading book is doing really well, people will see it in like people also bought this stock trading book. Um, so I would use it mainly as a tool for discovery and also credibility, just like when I send people my Amazon page with, you know, 94 to five star reviews, people are impressed. Like it, it, it mm-hmm. makes a big difference from a credibility standpoint. Yeah. And one of the things I was interested in with you, <clears throat> you know, I have a book on my bookshelf and it's called something like write your business book in five days. And, and I'm not knocking that, but there is a difference, isn't there? There are, there are some books that are written purely as a, um, as a business card, but I know you're interested in, helping people to write good books. So how do you write a good book as opposed to just a business card type book? Yeah. So uh, this is what I'm personally the most passionate about because everything I've talked to to this point is just kind of like how to optimize your book from a business standpoint once you've made it a good book. But the, and that stuff like honestly isn't that difficult, but the process of writing the good book is extremely difficult. Um, And the most important thing is like, when I'm talking about a funnel, it's really important to have something outside of the book. However, the book must also be able to stand on its own. 
because probably 80% of the people that read your book are just going to read your book. They're not going to want to buy your course. They're not going to want to buy your consulting. However, um, you'll get some revenue from them and you know, they could pay for your ads or whatever, but they will also be the one that, um, that leave you reviews. They will be the ones that recommend it to friends who may become your customers. And those people are super, super important. And also just from a credibility standpoint, like your book should be a book. Your book shouldn't be a lead magnet. And this might be a difficult question to answer because it's a little bit nebulous, I suppose, but what makes a good book <laughs> in, in your book, if you pardon the the pun? I mean, what, you know, what is it? What is it about um, a book that's going to make it good or, or that you try to engineer with your clients? There are so many things, but um, some of the most important um I mean, ideally, so just from a business perspective, like there should be an ROI on reading the book, right? So if you're writing a nonfiction informational book, like the reader should be able to get a tangible ROI from it. And and truthfully, even if it's fiction, I don't really work with fiction, but even if it was fiction, like the ROI is, I laughed my ass off. I really enjoyed myself. Like I loved it, right? Like there's still some sort of return on the investment of buying it. Um, But what I teach people is, Uh, This guy, Ray Edwards, is a a copywriter and he teaches like the copy thesis. Um, So I'd have to check my notes, but it's basically like uh, any insert your audience. So whatever stock trader um, will, you know, achieve or get fill in the blank, right? Like uh, a stock trading strategy to make 20% or whatever, right? By by doing or reading insert title, right? So the idea is just they're getting a, a clear and tangible return on their investment. I think that's step one. Step two is having something to differentiate it from every other book that sounds similar. Because, you know, in this stock trading example, sure, that's a great start, but there's probably a million stock trading books that claim you can make 20%. What's different about your book? Um, Which goes back to another like Seth Godinism, which would be like, what's your purple cow, right? What's the thing that stands out about you? And that's often your personal story, um, something specific about you or your method. Um, that sets you apart from just, you know, an average stock trader, an average business person, whatever. Yeah. And, and can you think of any examples, um, not, not necessarily with your own clients, although maybe they are, but how, how do you get that point of difference that's going to help you cut through? I mean, is it, what are we looking for? Is it some kind of metaphor or what do you think? I mean, what, do, what is, what is that uh, X factor? Um, I mean, usually like, so if I'm working with someone personally, it just requires a lot of asking them questions. Like it can be things like what, what frustrates you about the industry you're in? Right. And then people start to get to the thing that differentiates them. What do your clients or customers or even friends or coworkers say about you, um, versus other people like you, right? Are you the, are you the funny one? Are you the serious one? Are you, the no BS one um, is, do you have an origin story? Is there something interesting in your origin story? It could certainly be a metaphor. Some people, you know, have just have a metaphor in mind based on the brand they've built. Um, it could be anything. It's just something about you that differentiates you. And most people who already have a business, like they already have that because that's what actually made their business successful. Even if perhaps they don't realize it. Yes, they often don't realize it um, and just kind of asking 
them or having them ask their customers, like they can eventually uncover that thing. They'll be like, oh, of course. Um, and sometimes it just becomes second nature because it's who they are. Um, but eventually they'll realize, oh yeah, that is really important. Yeah, and it's interesting to talk to you about that and perhaps um, do you, to an extent, do you think the good authors are maybe stepping into a persona that's a little bit exaggerated or um, do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, sort of. Um, I, I mean, I think you are exaggerating whatever it is about you that makes you unique, but the thing that's most important is like is transparency. So, so for my sports betting book, for example, like the standard way to write a sports betting book would be, here's how to make a lot of money sports betting. However, I was uh, 22 at the time and I was not rich and I did not make a lot of money sports betting. My story just in a nutshell was basically had a hundred bucks, turned it into almost $10,000, just got super, super lucky and then lost it all. So my message was more how to not lose a lot of money versus how to get rich because people were tired of reading these how to get rich books written by people who weren't actually rich. So by cutting through that noise and, and saying like, I'm not promising you can get rich. I'm just promising that, you know, your wife isn't going to kill you for losing so much money that resonated with people. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So this is something um, I work on with clients. It's just trying to figure out well, what's that contrarian uh, insight that you can provide or or can you frame what you do in a, in a contrarian way? Because as you say, the the trouble is that markets very quickly get saturated with uh with a certain kind of message and after a while unless you have something different to say and you really accentuate that point of difference whatever you're saying is just going to wash over people right exactly like most of the simplest ideas especially with books have already been done you're a stock trader someone has already written how to get rich stock trading, sports betting, how to get rich this, advertising, how to write a good ad. What is, I always ask people like, what is surprising about your message? What is surprising about your business? What is surprising about your life? Like what would a stranger like, you know, scrolling a hundred books about this topic go, huh, that's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And just in thinking about the nuts and bolts of it. So how would you typically structure a book? So how many words do you think is appropriate? What, you know, what level of detail are you going into in a book? What are your thoughts around that topic? Um, so they tend to be, I would say anywhere from, yeah, honestly, the average business books, like 150 to 200 uh, pages. So like on the short er side, However, I've worked with people who write 75 to 100 page books that are really good. Like often you don't need them to be longer. I like, I encourage people to not obsess about the word count beforehand, just focus on explaining your idea as fully as possible and no longer than that. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> as short as it can be, but as long as it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, Hey, out of interest to you, what, what tools do you use for your writing? Are you using Scrivener or something like that? I've actually never used Scrivener. I've heard good things about it. I'm, I'm very like tool agnostic. Um, uh -huh. I tend to write in Google docs now, but I wrote my first book in, in word. I've probably written actually the majority in word, but I tend to use Google docs now, especially if I'm collaborating with people, it's a little easier. Um, but I don't think it matters that much to be honest. 
Yeah, fair enough. I quite like Scrivener because uh, what I found working with very long documents in in Word or something was just kind of I don't know, just not having the overview, if you know what I mean. And one of the yeah. nice one of the nice things with Scrivener, you may have seen it. It's got this um, it's got this feature which is like um, it's a bit like having a bunch of post-it notes on the wall. And it's just, you can kind of organize the content in that way. And for me personally, I found that quite helpful. Um, so yeah, but um, horses for courses, I guess. Do yeah. you say that in the US? <laughs> no, we don't. No, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, mean, I suppose it's a kind of sports sports gambling um, yeah, yeah. phrase, but there we go. Um, and so obviously some of the work your, your business does with clients is ghostwriting. So what does a ghostwriter actually do? How much interaction with, with the author is typical? So the, the way I do it is a little different than the, the typical ghostwriter. So ghostwriting is like, as the name implies, like a very kind of like shady industry where people don't really share what they do, how much they charge, how they work. Um, so like if you are to go look for a ghostwriter, you can probably find someone who will write your book for 500 bucks. Um, and you could also find someone who'll do it for a hundred thousand dollars and they obviously use very, very different processes. Um, so like the standard way that a good ghostwriter would do things is basically either if it's super high end, they would hang out with you for a while and just take notes. Um, if it's a little less high end, they would just ask you to send them a bunch of notes, recordings, things like that. And then they would interview you to kind of fill in the gaps. Um, the way I do it is based off of the company I worked for, uh, Book in a Box, which is 100% based on interviews. So I just interview the person for usually around 20 hours. Um, the first five or so are just to like hone in on the idea, the positioning, the strategy, um, and kind of make an outline. And then the next 15 or so are just going line by line on that outline, which will have all the stories and ideas already listed. Um, and just having people tell their story and prodding them as much as needed when there's more detail needed, some more context. Um, if I think they're not telling the whole story and things like that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And so obviously that's the service you, you provide to help people. If people are doing it on their own, obviously one of the big issues well, I don't know about you, Matt, but certainly for me, and I think a lot of people, is procrastination and the idea of writing a book seems completely overwhelming, you know. Um, so how, what is your advice to someone if they're going to do it themselves, other than obviously, you know, just hiring someone to help them. But if, if we exclude that just for the sake of argument, are there any practical steps or tricks or forcing functions you can share that would allow people to just get this thing done, get the writing done, get the book creation done? Yes. Yeah, so, and I actually wrote a book about this, which I'll offer people for uh, free yes. at the end, but, but just to give you guys a teaser. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a million things you can do. Like the, the two most important things are understanding that you have to build the writing habit and you also have to build a publishing habit because I cannot tell you how many people I've worked with that, 
get the first part done, which is really difficult. It's really difficult to start writing and write good things, but are just terrified to publish because they've never published anything. And this is why I recommend people do what I was saying before with like testing their idea really early on and really small, because if you're not getting positive or even negative feedback from people, like if your intangible ideas in your head are not actually put in the real world and being reacted to, it just feels like this dream world. And you work on this book for, for a year and you're like, okay, maybe it's good. And then you're just terrified to release it because you haven't eased into it. So like building the writing habit is a muscle and building the publishing habit is a muscle. So focus on both of those. Um, in terms of like building the writing habit, just like starting as small as possible. Um, ideally, you know, an hour a day, but even if it's like 15 to 20 minutes a day, uh, one of my favorite examples is this guy, David Levian. He's a, a screenwriter and he wrote his first novel on the subway going to work uh, for, I think it was 15 to 20 minutes for a year and finished a novel. Um, yeah. So just carving out some small bit of time in your day, ideally every day, ideally you know, close to an hour, um, blocking out all distractions, having some sort of forcing function, you know, blocking the internet, putting your uh, phone on airplane mode, um, closing all your tabs, just having a page that you can write in and not censoring yourself. Like you will probably start by writing like, I don't know what to write. This is horrible. This is the worst thing ever, but literally write those things down because you have to get like the rust out of your pipes before the water starts flowing uh, that's a good metaphor actually funnily enough a friend of mine um uh, a guy called john williams just been in um you made me think of him he's just been in thailand because he had to write the second edition of his book and i think for one reason or another he had about four days to write it so he was just i think he was just sat there in thailand just like hardcore just doing it for four days and um i think sometimes like a deadline like that can really help can't it when you're just forced to deliver and you've got to stop messing around um, exactly but you know the, the the tricky part as you say is forcing that on yourself I mean he had a publisher kind of breathing down his neck and I think for a lot of us it's similar isn't it you know we're 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 better at um meeting meeting the requirements of other people or our clients than just kind of doing these things for ourselves sometimes, which is one reason actually why hiring someone, you know, it's a good idea just, just to actually um, force yourself into this stuff. It's interesting as well. You say about developing that publishing muscle. I'd never really thought of it in that way, but um, I had some ill health a couple of years ago. And, and before that I was sort of actively marketing, you know, sending a lot of email and stuff like that to the list. And it was quite funny because you're right, because I was away from that for a time, you do need to get back into it. You're not used to it. And it, it, even for me, who's done it quite a lot, it did, did feel kind of scary. And you just, you're writing new content and emails and you're thinking, God, this is crap. It's like, what happened to me? But I think you're right. It's just a muscle and you get better and you get more used to it um, the more you do it. So you just got to keep at it. Yeah, that that's fantastic advice. I couldn't have said it any better. And like the the whole thing you said about deadlines, like ties perfectly in with with why I'm so adamant about this publishing habit thing. Because if you're doing this on your own, I mean, ideally, I do think you either have a you hire a coach or an editor so someone can keep you accountable, or you're in a group or something like that. But if you don't have that, 
your deadline becomes your audience, right? So if even if you're just sending one email a month, even if you're sending a 500 word email a month, it still is this artificial deadline that like, even if it's your, your mom and dad expect to get that email every month, that's enough of a forcing function to get you to do something. I mean, ideally you have a little more than that, but even something as small as that will actually get you to produce something. It might not be great at first, but like that's how you start. And then eventually, you know, you have 100 people on your email list or maybe you already have 10,000, right? And just having that forcing function is invaluable. Yeah, I I can certainly vouch for that because, uh, you know, even if you just got a few people on your list or in your audience, that's something I've certainly done in the past, which is just to say to these people, look, I'm going to do X, I'm going to write this or I'm going to do whatever. And then, you know, it doesn't matter that people may have read that and then it's disappeared out of their mind because you know you've said you're going to do this thing you bloody well do it you know so yep. it's actually so it's just doing stuff like that that forces you uh, forces your hand but can be really valuable i agree completely now this has been really good matt so um to wrap up then just a couple of couple of questions then so the first one if listeners only took one nugget or piece of advice away from this conversation, what should it be? It's that everyone can write a book, but instead of spending a year ruminating on it, just come up with two or three small ideas, little hooks for your, for, for your potential book and test them in a 500 word to a thousand word blog post, Facebook post, LinkedIn post, email, whatever feels right to you. Don't stress about writing an entire book stress about writing a very, 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 very tiny portion that you can test. Just baby steps. Yeah, I love it. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> awesome. And so what's the the best place? Where can people get more from you, Matt? So if this has interested you, if you're actually still listening at this point, definitely get a free copy of my book. It's called You Are an Author. Um, so write your book already. Um, and it you can get your copy at platypusbooks.com. So P-L-A-T-Y-P-U-S um, books.com slash Rob. Um, so it's a free PDF copy. If you want a free paperback, um, pay shipping, send me an email and I can get that hooked up for you. Uh, my email is rud at plat.pub, rud at plat.pub. And, my, and I have a blog at uh, rudbits.com, R-U-D-B-I-T-S. Excellent. And uh, do check it out, guys, because Matt uh, work, uh, writes very well. I'm not just saying that, you know, the blog is is funny. I um, I uh, snorted my cup of tea everywhere earlier reading his, <laughs> uh, his post. So do go and have a look. Um, Matt, it's been great. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to 
chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.